Hey. Yeah, go ahead. What? Are you good with uh, 35? Don't do need an hour, dude. Do you have somewhere to be? Yeah, I do. And I don't think we have, we don't need an hour. There's nothing to fucking talk about. Okay. Uh, tell me this. What episode is it? 183. No, no, no. We're way past that. Okay. I have no idea. Episode 192. I I would like to know what what it is because I can't get into the uh the website. <laughs> Only you can. So I gave you the password. It's 192. I did. I put your password in 15,000 times. It's it does it's, not allow me. The in. first letter is a, a small small letter. Not a capital. That does that help you out? Let me let me let me just see. Let me see if it helps me out. My guess is you've been typing in our password with but not case sensitive. These things are case sensitive. Yeah, but didn't it used to be big? First letter the first letter was a capital, yeah. Before. But then we got locked out somehow. And then all of a sudden, here we are with a new one, with a small letter at the, at the start. Does that help you? Do you know what it is? I can't wait to see if this works. Okay, so while you're doing that, I guess we're not allowed to swear anymore per your rules because kids listen. Yep. So yep. we've been told kids listen. Yeah, I, 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 got, a, I got a great call the other day. Um I, I coached a uh, I I coached a young man for uh, a lot of years. Did the password work? Yes, it did work. Thank <laughs> okay. you very much. Appreciate. <laughs> Carry on. But um, I, I I coached a kid here in Buffalo for for many years. He's now uh, actually playing in the OHL, and uh, I got a uh, a text message, uh, a cool text message from his grandmother who I haven't uh, talked to in, in, in a little while. And she uh, was telling me that she just came back from Colorado. She went to visit her son out there in Colorado, and she had the opportunity to go and watch at a hockey tournament in Colorado where her grandson was playing. And she wrote me uh, a little note and telling me that uh, you have fans of After the Whistle podcast all the way in Colorado. And I was like, okay, what, what, what do you mean? And she, she, she told me that, uh, she met some, uh, some, some young, uh, some young kids, one's, uh, a 10 U goaltender. And there was another boy that was a, uh, 13 U, uh, player. And, uh, one played for, I think it was Boulder, Colorado. And the other one, let me let me make sure I look this up. I think it was the the Rough Rider. That's it was the Rocky elite, Mountain Rough Riders and uh, Braden the the goaltender uh, and um, the other boy name is Jacob that plays for the Rocky Mountain Rough Riders and and she was telling me that uh, they were telling her that they're big fans of of uh, After the Whistle. They watch they listen with their with their with their dads when they're on the road or traveling or whatever and. They're, they're and you're telling lift. us we're not allowed to swear. These are 13-year-old kids. You're well, telling me they don't know that the that you don't tell me they don't swear. I know what I was saying at 13. 
No, I just want listen. I wanted to bring that up. Oh, you, good. I, I told you before the show that I want to bring up Braden and uh, Jacob. Thank you very much for listening. This is completely amazing having uh, it. I love it. Having, you know, people that listen to our podcast all the way in Colorado. That's uh, that's pretty that's pretty amazing. So um, thanks for it listening. Came up and, to me. Uh, I was coaching the Bowman Cup with Patty Coletta this year. And Caleb came up to me. And it actually said that he listens to our show on the, so thank you. You hope it's not all just friends and family. Eh? Um, I do want to say this though. Uh, I had a fun little, I, I met some guys that listened to the podcast at a restaurant the other night before I went to see the headstones at the town ballroom. Okay. So we're sitting at the bar and uh, is actually this brick oven pizza place. Uh, and it was, you know, you can sit there and watch them make the pizza and everything. And these these two guys were sitting next to us, and they heard us talking about the show because it's getting close to nine o'clock. And you know, you're thinking, what time do they go on? We don't want to miss them, right? So the guy says he overhears me say that, and he says nine thirty they go on. And I was like, oh okay. And he said we work we work over there. He does security, I guess. Two two guys, great guys. They listen to our show, and that's when he said. Hey, what did you think of Jeff Skinner's three game suspension for the cross check? And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh my God, I should know this. <laughs> I'm supposed to know this. But then in my head, I'm like, fuck that. It's Saturday. You know what I mean? I, yeah. can, I can learn this on Monday morning if I have to. Yeah, so Skinner it's... got three games. I didn't see Yeah, the game listen, on I looked Saturday at it. I looked at, I was it. at the show, but yeah, I looked at it over and over and over. And, you know, listen, I mean, there's there's been a lot of times over the last seven years that, I mean, me and you just have maybe a little bit of a different philosophy on uh, on a lot of these things, whether it's a body check or a certain certain play on the ice. Um, but I, I, I don't think there's going to be any argument with this one, right? I mean, I don't think th- this is this is kind of like a... Uh, uh, you know, and, and listen, I I don't blame Jeff Skinner and say, oh, now he's the dirtiest player in the world. And listen, I mean, he's in the heat of battle. He's in the heat of the action. Took a little bit too far. He um, would have been better off if he the, just gro- dropped his gloves and threw him around through a couple. You well, know, he's sets. not a fighter. Like he's the farthest thing from. I a understand fighter. that, but I mean, what would you rather have? A couple feather punches to the side of the 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 head, to the ear, whatever, and and they fall to the ground. Yeah. And, or do you want him out of the lineup for three games? Cause I didn't see the game, but clearly, you know, when you're, when you have momentum going as a team and as a line, especially as a line, you yep. want to keep that going. Skinner was playing very well. Since you roasted him, he was playing very, very well. And oh, yeah. He's definitely listening to the show. Uh, that's well, why. You, well, listen, you can be modest about it, but I won't. I think he does. No shit, he does. Oh anyway, uh, there's no way, freaking way, these guys are listening you, to our banter back and our, forth. Our listeners said that we should win the Jack Adams this year. <laughs> okay. Um, the winner of the 2022 23 Jack Adams after listen, the whistle podcast. No, hold on a second. No, I was in the middle of a point. And he screwed that up with a stupid play. He screwed because they didn't. They went out Saturday night. I went back and checked. They didn't do anything that line. They lost the game. And, you know, they had tremendous momentum. And he was a huge part of that momentum. Now, I don't blame him for cross checking him in the head. I understand it. All I'm saying is he would have been better off dropping his glove or just dropping his stick and throwing a couple punches at him. He probably would have got a four minute roughing penalty. And I'll also say this too, Craig that doesn't have to be a three game suspension. 
Now, I could have lived with a one game, a two game. I can live with a three game. But if you're going to give Jeff Skinner a three game suspension for that cross check to the face, then be consistent across the board. Simple as that. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's too much. I'm not saying it's it's um, not enough. All I'm saying is be consistent because there are uh, there are yeah. great examples, and I'm sorry I don't have them right now because I don't really want to go back and look because I don't give a shit because you know what happens? Something else is going to happen in three weeks, and we're going to look. We're going to be a two-game suspension, and, and guess what? It's going to be a $5,000 fine. So now going back and, and, you know, there hasn't been anything like really egregious in the, in the news and that people are talking about, there have been some, some suspensions, um, but nothing that people are actually talking about. That's, that's the whole thing. I mean, um, the longest suspension this year has been three games, um, by three different players. One was that Nicholas, uh, Abby Kubel, uh, Jeff Skinner, and Jamie Alexiak, and Jamie Alexiak was just uh, was on the same night as uh, as as Jeff Skinner. Um, and listen, I mean, you can't argue Jeff Skinner's. Uh, you know, I understand heat of a battle. You do things that you regret. This is something that I'm sure he regrets. Uh, maybe could have done something a little bit different, like drop your gloves and grab them and pound them. That's not Jeff Skinner's thing. I mean, he's not he's not a fighter. Um, and I'm sure he don't even drop it. your gloves. Don't even drop your gloves. All I'm saying is you're better off taking taking a than getting into a stick swinging incident. You know, yeah, that's all I'm true. saying. Just but it's the, not it's not the in sticks. his brain to drop his stick and start to swing because that is not in his it's not in his DNA to be. You know, he, he, he's a feisty, he, like, I mean, man, Jeff Skinner pisses off a lot of people on the ice. And when he, I, I said this literally, you know, a month, month and a half ago or a month ago, um, Jeff Skinner is playing his best hockey when he is irritating people and they want to kill him. That is when he is playing his best because he's engaged. They're pissed off. They're taking penalties on him, and he just finds ways to uh, score goals. And he, uh, let me tell you, they're going to miss him. They are going to miss him because he has played really, really well the last month. You know, in, in, in the last 10 games, he's got eight goals and 18 points. His last five games, he has three goals and 10 points. I mean, he has played exceptionally well. That line, Tage Thompson, um, Alex Tuck, the power play, they are on right now. And, and they're, his three they're game suspension screwed up their chemistry. So that's a penalty they have to live with because it did. It did. Okay. Simple well, live with it. Yeah, live, live with it. it right. I, move on. Move on. I don't think he, I don't think Jeff Skinner said, I want to cross check this guy in the face. I don't believe he is like that. But I just think it was interesting that he got three games for it. There's a, someone tweeted us the other day when we opened up the day that Thompson had five points the night, the, the morning after Thompson had his five goals, one assist, not five points, six points. We had Gio on. And before we talked about Thompson, we talked about OV having two empty net goals and getting close to 800. So we get a tweet from someone named Tim who listens to the show regularly. And, and listen, we love constructive criticism and we love debating, but Tim messages and says, man, 
you know, Tage Thompson has a night the night before and Craig goes on and waxes poetic about Alex Ovechkin and his two empty net goals. And I'm thinking to myself, listen, Tim, we are witnessing history here, whether he's doing it with empty netters or not. We are witnessing history. When Tage Thompson hits goal 795, we'll be talking about him too before some some third-year guy having a six-point night. So, you know, Ovi has his last four goals are empty netters. He had the two against Philly. He had one against Seattle, and he had one last night. And I don't know, but he's he's closing in on 800 goals, and I'm like, uh, this is an amazing feat. I don't know that I care so much that it's happening with four straight empty netters, but I'll take it, I guess. Immediately when you told me that this morning, out of his 894 four goals, how many open netters did Wayne Gretzky have? I would have to say that he has he he has to have over 30. Okay, he does. He does have over th- do you have the statistic? I have it right here. Oh man, I would I would say I would say that I don't think he has many more maybe 35 okay like tops alex ovechkin how has 53 career empty net goals and he is number two and who's number one gretzky (laughs) wayne gretzky oh my gretzky has 56 (laughs) really there is a record here too i have four nhl goals okay i'm very proud of that I'm very proud of that. I might only have four. And you might be like, Peter's only four. Fuck you. I have four. How many do you have? But one of them is an empty netter. And I'm ashamed of that. <laughs> I, most, I don't care. I, the I don't even think. Question, the most common question when someone, when someone says, you know, how are you on the ice for an empty netter? <laughs> That's what I hear. You know, the funny thing is, um, do you have a statistic? Can you look up how many open netters I have? Like, is there a statistic in there? I don't or, know if Google gives you a shit a about that. Oh, but I'll on, check. Man. Just cut me at the knees all the time. Do you have any? Do I don't you... think I have an open net how goal. Would you not and know? I would really, how, I would, how would you not know, Craig? You have 53 goals or something, don't you? 60 no, I goals? 50 right on the, I think I have 50 right on the hop, but I, I, I think I have 50 on the hop. I don't think right. I have an open net goal. How would you not know if you have an empty net goal? You have 50 on the bean. I don't think I have one. I, I to this right now, there is I, I don't I don't think I have an open net goal, and I would definitely really like one. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, sliding that puck into an open net and not really having to work it work for it is just glorious. I'll take it. Ovi's got his last four goals are are, are open netters. Boom, shagalaga. I'll take it. It was my rookie year. We're playing Pittsburgh. And I go out and I, uh, there was like, um, Pittsburgh pulled the goalie with a lot of time left. Okay. Might've been 4-1. And I go on the ice and I I remember I took a, I think it was a hooking penalty or holding penalty or something like that. Some interference, but didn't hit anybody. It was just like, it was a stupid penalty hooking or, I come out of the penalty box. I think there's maybe under three minutes left. I step out. James Patrick, there's a shot on net. The puck is at the side of the net. Jeep is a right-handed shot. I step on the ice. 
I don't I don't I don't even get into the zone. He rims it just like a last second fires it yeah. around was just going to yeah. ice it. He rims it and I slam on the brakes and it's coming around the boards and I put my arm out and I pick it up. I'm left-hand shot. I pick it up with my the toe of my blade and I just start skating with it. Right? I almost run over the ref. I've got my head down. I had no idea the net was empty. None. I'm talking to the penalty box guy the whole time. Like he and I are just shooting the shit. And, and he's like, oh, you're up. And I go out. I had no idea the net was pulled. I get the puck. I'm on a breakaway, empty netter, have no clue. I, I, my head's down. I'm just chugging away. Just didn't want to get caught. I lift up my head about the top of the circle. And there's no goalie in the net. And for a split second, I thought maybe the whistle went. Because I'm like, where the fuck is the goalie? And I just, all of a sudden, I just slowly, I just shoveled it in. Like I took it right. I took it all the way to the goal crease and shoveled it into this the This is how out of the game you are, that you don't know that the team is down by one goal with like 30 seconds left. And you would think that most teams in the league are going to be pulling their goalie. We That's were winning 4-1. We were winning. I think it was like 4-1. It might have been 5-2 five, five, or something. Okay, I'm going to go back and check. I'm going to go back and check that. But my point is, I had no idea. So I shoveled it all the way into the goal, like to the crease. And then I shoveled it in the net. Like I didn't do anything. Because you were so nervous about missing the net. You're the most confident player I have ever played with in practice. I am not. Listen, Petey, I went and I played on four different NHL teams. Guys that are superstars. I mean, Joe Thornton, the Marlowe's, the Pavelskis. I mean, Saku Koivu, Kovalev, Sheldon Surrey. Like, you, you, I can name you so many incredible players. There is not a player that I played with that had more confidence than you in practice. You were like a left-handed Mario Lemieux in practice. <laughs> And then in games, you were just a ball of like fear and like you, you didn't want the puck in your stick. You're just like, chip it in, chip it in. Lindy's going to yell at me, you know, like. This is true. And, and the funny thing is, is when you're telling me that you skated all the way up because you actually didn't want to shoot the puck on net because the net in that situation, the net looks like you're playing with like a little mouse net. It's amazing how small the net gets in a game for guys like me. <laughs> Ovi's taking one timers and shooting it in a soccer. Net. He's got a, you're he's got like a soccer. Net. A, you're playing in a mini stick net. It's just amazing. I love and it. And if you put a few that. flakes of snow in front of that net, that messes everything up. And we won that game five, one. What? Yeah. So what were they doing? Pulling their goalie then? Because know. at the time it would have been five, four, one. I don't know. Well, you know what? We won 5-1. You're not going to give it back, though, eh, bud? Open netter is a goal, and uh, they all count. They they don't all count. That's, they do all count. Every no. single one. You put a puck in the net, that counts. It goes off your ass because you're standing there taking cross-checks in the back from a defenseman, and it goes in the net, it counts, okay? When you go to the areas that it takes to score, and you're actually really not doing very much. You just put your stick on the ice and you're playing with a really good player and he fires a bullet off your tape. They all count. 
So my kid was, uh, I think I told you the story before. My kid was, uh, the, his buddies at school, they're all into cards. They take basketball cards and hockey cards and they have football cards. And he brought one of my cards, right? And one of the kids in his class last year who played hockey said, said to Brody, your dad only scored four goals in the NHL. Like a question. He's like, your dad only scored four goals in the NHL. I know and exactly what your kid said. <laughs> what did he say? It, you tell me, you tell me if I'm hundred percent right. When I, when I answer this, cause I like, know I think you Brody's feelings were hurt. And, like, and I, think and he I felt know, like, I think he felt like the kid was making fun of his, his dad for only having four yeah. goals. That's right. That's right. And I know your son, your <laughs> son's, uh, your son's actually shy, but he's very confident in, in certain situations. And I think ass. when that kid w- walked up and had your card and said, Hey, your, your dad only scored four goals. Your kids reply, tell me if this is right. Well, that's four more than what your dad had. <laughs> is that what he said? No, what did he say? Basically, he said, like, how many, how many goals did your dad score in the NHL? <laughs> and he told me this when I picked him up and I I I laughed my ass off. I was like, yeah, I gave him a knuckle. I was like, that's a great answer, kid. And then next time I said, just say, what team did your dad play for? <laughs> Anyway, I hear you. Yeah. Before we get out of here, whether you like Gary Bettman, whether you um, appreciate what he's done, I know he's irritated. He's irritated hockey players. I think that you you kind of grow to hate him when you are playing in in the NHL. Um, He is the ultimate enemy. Okay, for so many years, especially for me. Because I came in, um, you know, Gary, Gary Bettman was hired in, in December 11th, 1992. I was drafted in June of 1992. Gary Bettman was, uh, was hired, um, to become the, the commissioner of the NHL. So it's been 30 years. And for my first number of years since what, 2004. So I came in the league. My first NHL game was the 2000 or the 94, 95 NHL season. And I was basically programmed to hate Gary Bettman because he was the ultimate enemy of all the NHL players. Things changed after the devastating lockout where the NHL players got locked out for the entire season. It, it hurt the players and it hurt the owners. Okay. But ultimately I think it's, I'm not kidding you. When I say this now, I lost a lot of money, but I think it's the best thing that this league, I think it needed. They needed the salary cap. They needed the percentage share where the owners are, are, you know, basically getting what there it's, it's a 50, 50 agreement with all revenue. I, and I think I, that I, the league just, right now is flourishing. I, I want to touch on more things about Batman with you because I, because uh, I know there's a lot there's, there's a, there's, but we don't have to make it about everything, but I look back and I think about the same things that you're talking about when I saw the 30 years and you brought it up this morning, it was one of the first things you said. Um, I had a wave of mixed emotion because his, his ignorance toward concussions I think is what frustrates me the most, not as a victim, but as someone who understands more now than ever about what the, 
ramifications are, not just from my own life experiences, but from people around me that played the game. Okay. Putting that aside for a second, because that's a very hard thing to handle right now, like for him to handle. That's a tough spot for him. You want to talk about a hard job? I don't think they like, can I just say one thing about that? Um, I don't think that they had the research because I, I, you know, when I played in, in the nineties, in the early two thousands, I felt like the entire, um, the entire organization in general, all the teams in the NHL treated all their players the same and they treated them like pieces of meat. Okay. If you go back and talk to players that played in the nineties, early two thousands, uh, you were, you were ultimately a piece of meat. Okay. You either, you either play until you're completely broken down and then they replace you with somebody else. That's just the way the game was back then. If you had a conky, if you had a, if you had a concussion, they didn't have the research. They didn't have the research, um, that they do nowadays. Okay. And it's treated very differently than what it was 30 years ago or, or 20 years ago. So as much as I hated it and I hate the NHL in a way, you ever see the start of Rocky five, Rocky five is by far the worst Rocky with Tommy machine gun Morrison, but, but there's a, there's a, there's a scene in Rocky five. Do you remember the opening of Rocky five? I'm not kidding you. When I say this, I don't think I've seen Rocky five. I've seen the other. Fair enough. Like literally a hundred times each. I don't think I've seen Rocky five. I think okay. I've seen parts of it, but the opening scene in Rocky five is a scene from after um, he fights the Russian. He came out in 1990. So I was 10, 1990. Okay. Rocky may be one of the most iconic sport movie franchises in without Hollywood question. history. Without right? question. And they got, they were good at right up to Rocky one through four. Incredible. Incredible. Legendary. And it's not even the boxing. It's because the boxing is so unrealistic. It's entertaining as hell, but the, but the, the, it's the storylines too. I think the storylines are incredible. However, music, my brother and I used to beat the crap out of each other with (laughs) eye of the tiger after like my parents are sitting there just looking at us, like just pound each other. It was amazing. The opening scene in Rocky five is him after the Drago fight in the shower and his hands won't stop shaking. Okay. His hands won't stop shaking. Okay. And he's all, he's scared. And he says something to wife. He's like, Adrian, I can't stop my hands from shaking. You know, he's like, I just can't stop. Adrian, what's going on? You like that? eh? So they go to the doctor. He has brain damage. Can't fight anymore. Done. You're done fighting. Forget about the storyline about Paulie and the money and everything after. He, he's done fighting forever. Okay. Because okay? of brain damage. So if it, that was 1990, yeah. and Hollywood kind of knew from boxers, they used to call it, remember, punch drunk was the old term, guys, punch drunk. Well, I think now we understand this is in 1990. So you can't tell me that there was never a blind eye turned to it. Blind eye, deaf ear turned to that because it was selling the game. The game in Toronto was exciting because they had John Cordick and Ty Domi and Ken Baumgartner. And, and yeah. these are guys that I watched on Saturday nights. Okay. And these are yeah. probably all guys that are suffering from, from the repercussions of, of that. And I just 
without going too far down that, I just wish Gary Bettman was a little more honest about that and what he knew and how long he's known. I mean, because look, then make it our choice. Then make it our choice. But maybe subconsciously, you know, those guys did know. But on a different topic, let's go back to the other talk because that's that one is understand where you're coming from. I but the technology, come on, the technology was very, very different in what they knew um and the research that they knew on concussions. You know, listen, I mean, people ask me, and I've been asked this, I've been asked this a lot in the last um number of years. So I've been retired for probably 11 years now. And the amount of times I've had this question come up, how many concussions did you have in your NHL career? And my answer is I've had three documented concussions. But if you go back now that the research is much different and what they deem a concussion is much different. Like when you're in the late nineties, okay. Or you're in the early two thousands and you get hit and see stars and the entire arena just looks like an, like a, like a, a firecracker show where there's just lights and stars shooting everywhere as you're skating back to the bench. That is a concussion, but back in the nineties, that was not a concussion. That was just, Hey, get a smelling salt. They put it in front of your nose. You sniff, you boom. It, it shoots like that, you know, your spidey senses back and it kind of wakes you up. And, and I, and when I say I I've had three documented concussions, if you go back to the techno or, or the research now, what is a concussion? Then I would have had 15 minimum concussions over the course of my, you know, 16, 17, 18 year career. Jerry Maguire, another movie that touches on uh, head trauma and sports and football with Rod Tidwell going into the cat scan machine. That was 1996. Okay. That's 19. And there's a oh, big hit Chicago. My name is Steve Remo. I play for Chicago. Coach, I got to play tomorrow. I got a bonus. I got to get the bonus. And the kid comes out of the room and said, hey, Jerry or whatever, Mr. McGuire, it's my dad's seventh concussion. Is anyone going to tell him to stop? And then he said, your dad is this. You would take 10,000 warrior gladiators to pull your dad away from 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 the, you know playing in the next yeah. game or whatever. And the kid goes, fuck you. Okay. Yeah. So you really did your research this morning with your movie. Uh, no, these are no, shoving it right no, up. Those uh, are those are things that I remember. Those are things that I remember yeah. even while I was playing, Craig. Like so you can't remember like literally, uh, you know, half your the shit that happens on a daily basis for yourself. But you're remembering movie quotes and movies. Well, there are significant moments in movies that I think yeah. attribute. But were, I get what you're saying. Were relatable to my life. You know, I mean, yeah. Andy, even later on. So, but like I said, back- I, I I just don't think the research was there. And yes, um, there could have been um, steps taken differently back in the day, but it just seemed like 
the sport was about how much of a warrior you were. I remember playing, I can't even tell you how many games I was injured. And I can guarantee you in today's game, they would have never played. But I played and I took, I took drugs. Okay. Painkillers to basically play the game. You had to, you, there's no possible way I could play without them. And that happened far too much. And I wish in today's society in the today's game, I think the trainers and the doctors see the game differently and they treat these players differently in the sense that if you're hurt, you're not playing, let's get you healthy. Back when I played in the early years of my career, it was about, you have to play. You're fine. Well, we'll let's we'll give you this and you won't feel your leg, your knee, your shoulder, your wrist, your neck. And you, you can just play, play well, through it, play, play, play. Because if you don't play, the fear was that someone would take your position. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was the fear that was uh, created within. And, and you know what? It, it worked for a lot of years. It was a, it was a, it was definitely a motivator for players, you know, to to do the right things or play the right way or play a certain way. But you brought up the business side of things from where revenues were when you came into the league to where revenues are today. And he is a huge factor in that. Yeah. Okay. Um, in that, you know, you have a businessman or an, a lawyer who's a businessman who who probably recognizes that changing the style of the game would be bad business because that violence was selling. Yes. But that being yes, said, you also mentioned the seasons, the, especially the first one in 0304 or 0405 when, when they lost a, an entire season. Yeah. I don't want to point the finger at Gary Bettman for that because you were right about something. The players were wired to hate him. And not believe anything that he said because everything that he's saying is a lie. Some of those teams are being sneaky. Chicago was being very sneaky. Okay. There were other teams being very sneaky about their finances. So the NHLPA was, was right in asking for a financial audit for the, for the entire league. Well, explain, explain what you mean by that. Well, it was to my understanding back when I was a player and yes. I was a rookie, so it was very hard for me to take all this in with trying to break into the league, but then also thinking my second year in the league is going to be taken away because of a fucking business dispute between the players and the, like, it was yeah. just, to me, it was, it was just amazing to be a part of because it was the focal point of my rookie year. Even, even you know, it yep. was, it was a massive cloud hanging over hockey at the time. And I remember a fax went out to all the all the teams and owners. Write down your your what you make in sweet sales only. And reportedly from inst now this, but I believe it that Chicago sent back and had a zero for their their sweet sales in Chicago yes. for their revenue gross revenues for sweet sales, and Bob Goodenow said, "How is this possible? I'm in Chicago, and there might not be a." There might not be a 21,000 seat crowd, but there are people in the suites around here. So where is that money? But apparently one of other, one of the other companies that Bill Wirtz owned had the rights and owned all the suites inside the arena. So he didn't have to claim them. So that money didn't go into the league wide revenue. Counting. 
It didn't count yes. as league-wide revenue. So that's the kind of shit that the NHLPA was trying to extract from the league and get the because they wanted a fair deal. Yes. Right. That being said, because I, I, think, I think there was parking too. Like in some in some places, a parking yes. parking around the building. How many how many cars go to a hockey game and park there? I mean, that was a separate business from the actual hockey team. And these are the things that all came out in the wash. And I think it's the best thing for the game. Like I said, what? Gary Bedman, what Gary Bedman was hired in December 2000 uh, or 90, 1992, December 11th. And I remember um, in 90, 94, when they had the um, lockout at the start of that year, they missed half the season that year. I remember um, the the numbers were like the league wide revenue at that time in 1994 was four hundred million dollars, four hundred million dollars league wide revenue, and now we look at 2022, almost 2023, and the league wide revenue is almost six billion dollars. It's incredible growth. And yeah. there are multiple new teams. The the league has expanded, some to a fault, some to in great markets. Going back to that though, too, I think the the PA has a has a big responsibility there because Bob Goodenow for the longest time held firm on no cap when the, the NHL was the lowest grossing revenue league. And and, and they're the only one without the, a salary cap. And the only it's the most ridiculous. The, yeah. It's the most ridiculous thing I, I can you ever think of that you would say yeah. that no, no way. We are the one that shouldn't have a cap. That is the most. That is the stupidest thing. So the whole thing, it was unnecessary. It was just unnecessary. But I don't know if I, I don't know if you can say it was unnecessary. It was the. I think it. I think the way that Bob Good now looking back, you know, we we lost a tremendous amount of money. Those players that lost that full year, we lost a lot of money, and we lost money um, because we took a twenty four percent rollback on all of our contract and salaries. So everybody lost a ton of money. But at the same time, you look back in the history of things, it reset the bar. It reset the market. Um, the it started fresh. And, you know, you, you, we moved on from there. Okay, and, fine. Uh, fine. It was necessary, but preventable. Like, I think all those things that came out, you could, I don't think it was preventable because I don't think that there was an agreement that both sides would have agreed to back then that we would have been okay with the salary cap. And why? That's what I'm trying to why? say. Why? Greed. greed. It was greed. Like on it both was, sides, like, listen, I mean, period. both sides it's don't want to give not, up. You didn't hear me say they were greedy or they were yeah. greedy. It was greed. Yeah. It was, it was, um, stubborn. Players are getting paid a lot of money. Players back then were getting paid a lot of money. Um, the owners in some markets were getting paid extremes amount of money. And then there's some, there were some markets that we're, we're taking a bath, losing millions, like 30, 40, 50 million dollars a year. So the league right now has never been stronger. The league right now in watching the talent on the ice has never been more talented. It has never been better hockey. I think that they are right where they want to be and they're going to continue to grow this great game. And I, I just, I love, I love my time. 
I loved my time in the, in the late 90s into the 2000s. I retired 2011, and I loved my time. But I really enjoy this game right now. I, uh, I love watching it. I think Gary Bettman, I read his article this morning and watching that this is his 30th year being the commissioner of, of the NHL. And uh, you know what? As much as people want to hate him, I think he's done a really, really nice job. Yeah, I would. Uh, we'll wrap on this. Uh, I I would like to hear the booze stop when he goes on the ice. I, I really would because I think he deserves more respect. And I think when you look back on his thirty years, listen, I think he's done a tremendous job, and I think he has had an impossible job. That's a very hard job to please everybody. And Roger yeah. Goodell is another one too. He, they're yeah. easy men to hate because of their position. But there are certain, obviously, over thirty years and long tenures, you're going to have you're going to have areas where you can say, "I wish they'd done that better. I wish they'd done that. I just wish they'd just been a little more honest about the the injuries to players." Period. That's it. I understand that that it might be bad for business, but I just I think that is that's the only flaw or disappointment that I have. Those players that that you that you want to pretend don't exist or they deserve the respect. They helped build the league. They helped protect your stars. They that's right. They got hurt for your league and your players and your pocketbooks and your owners. And I, I just think they deserve the recognition and respect from the highest of authority in their sports. They don't deserve to be pushed aside um, and pretending like they didn't happen. I did that documentary with Rob Ray and Ty Domi. They had 13 fights and the league told us how we were allowed to view it. Because they did, they almost want to pretend like it didn't exist. But we had spent so much time, effort, money to not us, not me. I was, I hosted it. I won an Emmy for it. Okay. I won an Emmy yeah. for that. I have an Emmy award. My God. It was so well done by Michelle Girardi's on Wald at, at PSE and the other people over there. It deserved mass recognition because of what these two men did. Yes. Okay. And the league said no. They have taken it down off YouTube several times. They said you could only air it during two intermissions, and that's it. Not enough people saw this. Not enough people saw it. It's not the work that I did on it or or that was done on it. It's what these guys meant to the league and what they meant to the play yeah. to the players around them, you know? And that hurt me. That hurt me. I'm glad we were able to do it. I'm glad enough people got to see it that it does it got the right recognition. But it deserved more those two guys and the other players and not just the fighters, the stars that get hit Pat LaFontaine, who obviously works for the league now, but yourself, other guys, they just deserve better and they deserve better from the highest. And that's the only flaw that I have. And it's a big one, but he has done a great job from the standpoint of business and growth of the game, period. End of story. And he's a very likable guy. He's a very likable guy. I've met him a couple times. Wow. Okay. I've I haven't met him, met him before, but that's, met that's the first time I've heard someone say that ever. I met him and I was, can't remember who I was standing with. It was at uh, what the Highmark Stadium now, but it was Ralph Wilson Stadium at the time, right before the outdoor game. And he was in a, he was in a, a car. He was in a big suburban and he was off to the airport and he was in the front seat and he rolled his window down and shook our hands. There was three or four of us. I think Palmonville was one of them. And we had a delightful conversation with this guy. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. And then 2000s night rolls around here in Buffalo and Tom Golisano's in town and 
Gary Bettman comes into town because of what Golisano did for this this league and this franchise here in Buffalo and keeping it here. Gary Bettman comes walking through and all the players are out there and he and we have another conversation with him and a very pleasant guy. So, you know, he's a very likable person. There's no question. And to quote the great Gordon Gecko, greed is good. Greed works. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.